0: This is the Rob's words, not mine. He says, I have very few good qualities, but one of them is I cannot be someone else.
1: Shalom from Jerusalem, and welcome back to the Karen podcast. After a few months away, uh, we have come back with new theme music, uh, new format, and we're super, super excited. To kick off the brand new season of the Karim podcast, as you may have seen,
2: for this season we are going on a new format that we are calling Al Regal Achat. We have brought together some incredible guests, leaders, thinkers, teachers from the Jewish world, and we are asking them to teach us, Alex and I, and you our listeners, the Torah standing on one leg, Al Regal Achat. What is their Torah? What is their idea? What's their key thought, their key maxim that has guided them in their life and that they think we can all learn from and we can find inspiration from in our lives as well?
1: We have some amazing guests lined up for this season um, and it's really, really exciting. Um, We've recorded a few episodes already, Ari and I, uh, and we've learned loads uh, and cannot wait to share those with you uh, and to continue on this journey of learning the Torah, Al Regal Achat, standing on one leg to draw inspiration and wisdom uh, from the people that we do look to in our everyday lives.
2: And today's episode, wow, we started off with an incredible interview with Rabbi Dr. Ari Berman, who is the president and Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva University, and the Rabbi Isaac El-Khanan Theological Seminary, otherwise known as Ritz. It was such a huge honor and privilege, as well as a pleasure, having Rabbi Dr. Berman join us in the new Corinth offices in Jerusalem to sit down and hear from him what his Torah is that he thinks, or his Torah, as you'll see, um, and also to talk to him a little bit about his new book, which you will hear more about in this episode. So without further ado, here is Rabbi Dr. Ari Berman teaching us the Torah, Al-Ragel Achat We are delighted and honoured to be joined by Rabbi Ari Berman, the president of Yeshiva University, uh, here for an, another exciting episode of the Koran podcast and our new series, Al-Ragel Achat. So Rabbi Berman, can you tell us, please, Teach us the Torah, standing on one leg.
0: Okay. Um, well, thank you so much, Aryeh. Thank you so much, Alex. It is a joy to be here in the room where it happens and to actually be in the Koran uh, a building uh, with Matthew Miller and Rabbi Ruben Ziegler. Just incredible work uh, the Koran does to uh, spread uh, Torah Tashem uh, throughout our community and our world. So thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Standing on one foot, Uh, you know, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, so I cannot do better than Hillel, uh, when he says, Zohi kolatarekula, that what you uh, don't uh, like, don't do to your chaber. The question is, what does that mean? So Rashi has two interpretations, interestingly. So one is what I think most people uh, naturally understand, which is, another person of the benadam l'chavero kind. Uh, but he also says that, uh, he also interprets it as re'echa, as referring to Hashem, zechadosh uh, Barhu. Baruch So you have both the benadam khavero and the le Makom and a very uh, bland, what you don't want done to you, don't do to others. You know, I remember a couple years ago, I was speaking to Gail King, and uh, she mentioned to me, I asked her this similar question, about her Torah, I said, what's your, what is the principle that you, that you live for? I didn't even know I was going to be in the car and podcast. At that point. <laughs> and uh, she said, don't do harm. I'm like, that's pretty basic. Don't do harm. Yeah. Like that's your whole, your whole principle. And then I realized, you know, that actually as a, as a basic line, you know, that's what Hillel's saying as well. But there's another part to it, which is, the Idach hu zil gamor. Now you have to go and yeah. and study. Now you have to go and and do. Now you have to build on that. That's like a basic, basic line, a regular chat. Yeah.
1: But the world
0: is so much more
1: complicated
0: and complex, and that's what we're. Uh, um, that's what that's our task.
1: I mean, so I mean, if that is a guiding principle, which I mean, it's in the Gemara, as you say, it's it's uh, the traditional answer, it's the classic answer. Um, how how has that been a guiding principle for you. I think it's also you know appropriate sure. that um, you know we've you've just published a new book, the the final exam. Um, so how does how does Rabbi Ari Berman sort of take this principle through his life, leading up to where we are today, um, having written this this incredible book that we'll we we'll dive into a bit more.
0: Well, I think that actually it's a great segue because the uh, the Gemara itself uh, moves progressively uh, down to the question of the final exam. Because in the zeal, now go and and study. Now flesh out the complexities of this. Um, So the Gemara continues and does that. And Rava famously tells us that there are six questions that you will be asked at the end of your life. And it's really those six questions that rest at the heart of this this book, um, which is to prepare ourselves for the final exam. Uh, we spend. I'm a president of university now, and uh, many of us spend much time in university, in schools, in different yeshivot. We all know what it's like uh, studying for quizzes, tests, midterms, and finals. But well, this is the final. This is the final. So it's good if you have uh, a little bit of a review uh, beforehand, and especially if you know the questions ahead of time. Like, don't you love those teachers? They give you the questions ahead of time. So I mean, we're blessed that we have the questions that Rabbi says: B'shashem achnis and Adam l'din, Omrim lo nasata v'natata b'hamuna kavati itam laTorah, sakte b'prayer of Rivitzi pitzal Yeshua b'paltah b'chachma hivante davar mitochta davar. There's six questions that uh that God is going to ask of you, and all those questions deal with uh issues related to uh, how you study, how you live. How you love, how you build a family, how do you have a career, how do you fill your life with meaning, uh, with purpose? You know, b'sha sh'mach adam ladin is referring to at the end of one's life, but really every moment of one's life, uh, you're being asked these questions. And in order to prepare yourself for the final exam, you have to think about it uh, during your life. Um, So the way with this book is the final exam is really an expression of how a yeshiva university uh, worldview uh, as uh, embodied by our education uh, prepares one for a life of meaning and purpose uh, that's filled with all of the layers and and all of the questions and the directions uh, for each person to answer for themselves. Uh, so that they'll uh, uh, they'll be able to fulfill their destiny uh, and their life purpose. Do
2: you think, as you mentioned, that there's this smooth uh, segue or transition between, I guess, let's call it the ratio, the initial statement of Halal, um, and then the and then the the idea, the teaching, that Rava brings. Do you, do you see it as um, do you see that transition as like consequential, like what Rava says is. Just a consequence, or it's just o- the obvious next step. That's the Zilgam, like it's obvious, or is there a different kind of connection between the two?
1: And before you want, if I could just build on Arya's question, yeah. as in, it, I think it's also interesting, and I'd, I'd like to hear if you have any thoughts on this, is that the the ratio, the, the initial story, and Hilal's statement, his answer is essentially it's essentially the negatives. Don't do anything that you wouldn't wish done to you. Whereas the questions were being asked in Shammai, rather at the end, they're all: "Did you do something?" It's
0: a great point. It's a great point, Alex. And I do think that that look the Gemara itself, the layout of the Gemara. There's a lot of stories of Hill and Shammai, and uh cast in one direction, Hill is cast in another direction. There's a whole Talmudic development of what exactly uh, uh, those stories. Uh, but then emerging from that is a whole do you on this on the u'nat itecha and it fleshes that out when it gets to when it gets to Rabbah. But just to flesh out your point, Alex, which is the difference between the avoid something and then live positively. You know, and that's almost, you know, we have halakha, which is the baseline of what you need to do. Uh, but what we also have are Torah values. Of which give us direction of where we need to go, you know. And what you're going to find in life is that you're is is you're going to need more than just the baseline, right? To to live a life of consequence and contribution, uh, you have to have goals and aspirations, you know. And the Torah and our hashkafa and the worldview gives us a framework. Uh, to apply now, everyone's going to apply it differently. There's no one answer in life. We're all born with a mission and a purpose. You too, Alex and Arya. You are born here with a mission and purpose. And we all ask ourselves, you know, in moments of uh, of real quietude, uh, are we fulfilling our mission and purpose? And how do we answer those questions, you know, for ourselves? B'shach machnisam adam ladin. We're all reflecting on our own din. I mean, not judgment of others as our own self and self-expression. So the beyond the baseline, there are goals and there are values that drive us. And what I've uh, spoken about in this book, with the final exam letters to our students, is the is for our students to see and understand our hashkaf, our worldview. Uh, this was very important to me when I started Yeshiva University. You know um, Toru Mada uh, is something for with, from which I was uh, born and reared. Mm. Uh, I am a product of Yeshiva University through and through. Uh, you know, I often ask people, you know where tell me about yourself and uh, the best answer are the ones that start before they were born. <laughs> Uh, because really we're a product of our, of our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. Um, and while my grandparents did not go to Yeshiva University because they, uh, <laughs> at least one side, uh, survived from Europe, Baruch Hashem, uh, and left right before the war, uh, they did send their children to Yeshiva University. Uh, so my father uh, and mother attended Yeshiva University. In fact, uh, my father uh, passed away uh, about uh, two months ago. And um, during the Shiva, somebody brought me the uh, Masmid, which is the YU graduation book, to show me pictures of my father uh, during his uh, time at Yeshiva University. So he showed me a picture of the 75th convocation of Yeshiva University. My father was the president of the student council of Yeshiva College. So there was my father standing next to Dr. Belkin at the seventy-fifth uh, convocation because Dr. Belkin asked him to help, uh, you know, help coordinate it. Yeah. Next to my father, there's a picture of him standing with Dr. Belkin and another a woman there, and her name is Rosalie Bayer. That's my mother. My mother was the president of the Stern College student body. Dr. Belkin, in effect, <laughs> it's <a mishpacha>. yeah. <laughs> so Dr. Belkin, in effect, was their Shadchan, because wow. he asked them to prepare to work on the 75th Convocation. That's how they met. So when I say that I was reared in the Yeshiva University family in Torah, <laughs> <That's laughs> it, was, it was very intricately, you know, uh, you know, even before I was born, uh, part, of, uh, part of my life. Uh, my parents loved their time at Yeshiva University, and, uh, and they sent me as well, you know, first to the high school, then to the college, then afterwards to uh, um, uh to Revel, um, my graduate degree, and uh, you know, Baruch Hashem, I always, uh, grew up in that. So Torah Umada and Rabbi Lam, personally, who was in my generation, uh, was the figure that, that stood for Torah Umada, um, was someone with, with whom I was personally very close. Uh, because when I left Yeshiva University, I became the rabbi of the Jewish Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started there as a rabbinic intern, an assistant rabbi, associate rabbi. And I remember Rabbi Lamb, the first time I saw Rabbi Lamb, I came in, I was the uh, rabbinic intern. And I ran into shul. I, was, I just unpacked. And I was all, you know, hurried and rushed. And I ran into shul. It was a Sunday morning. And at the end of shul, Rabbi Lamb came over to me. And he was so kind. And he greeted me and he said that, you know, whatever, you know, I can do, whatever he can do, if he, you know, it was just so warm and welcoming. And then at the end he said, and by the way, you know, if you want them to take you seriously as a rabbi, maybe you should wear a tie to Minion. <laughs> like I just got him just off the <laughs> You know, and that actually was part of the, the education, yeah. which is how do you present yourself as a rabbi was very much part of the uh, educational experience. But my personal relation with Rabbi Lamb and hearing from him directly and learning from him directly with Torah Ramada is so, so important uh, to my uh, upbringing. And at the same time, you know, Torah Ramada is our educational philosophy. Um, but standing alone uh, doesn't express by itself the worldview and hashkafa of our Yeshiva University community, our broader community, our global community. Something connects us, all of us. Whether you went to Yeshiva University or not, something connects us. And we know that something connects our community. All of the, all of the take the Yeshiva Day Schools in, uh, in North America. You know, something connects them. Uh, the Yula and, uh, and Kohelet and Central. You know, something connects them beyond the Sarachek tournament. You know, of the, at least for the the basketball.
1: (laughs) Yeah, wherever am I? Wherever you are. Your your (laughs) listeners are
0: laughing right now. Let me tell you, listeners are laughing right now. And
1: and they're right to laugh.
0: And they're right right (laughs) to laugh. And then something connects our communities, of course, across uh, the globe, uh, in every every part, every country. Uh, You know, I just came on travels. I was just with our students. We had a student leadership trip in Rome, Mm. in Morocco. We had one in Israel, and I was just visiting uh, the different communities, and we have we have families who send their children to Yeshiva University from Casablanca. Uh, we have from Rome, you know, all over. I was in London, all over, and this there's a feeling, there's Ashkafa, there's a worldview. What is that? Yeah. That links us. What is that? But what do we believe in? What is it that fuels Koran? It fuels your writing. So what this book does, it writes in a very accessible way to a a college, to a student coming into a university, Mm -hmm. taking them step by step. You know, what's our worldview? Uh, What are our values, that you'll be able to answer the questions of Rava, Shash shmechnisim adam ladin, you know, fully and uh, comprehensively.
2: I wanted to ask you if I can, um, if I may.
0: we're so close now, you can ask me anything. Okay, I'm excited. (laughs) Um,
2: how going from the Jewish center and then eventually becoming president of your university, how was this Torah a guiding light for you F- from how you got from there, I guess, from, you know, further down the upper West side up to Washington Heights. How was, how was that this, the guide for you to the decisions that you made to get to where you are today?
0: That's a great question. And, um, you know, my life story, which is very much a part of this, uh, book, um, because this is personal. Like I write very personally about my own journey and lessons I've learned, not that other people, other, everyone's going to have their, his or her own journey. And to the extent that, you know, mine can help them think about their own is my goal with this. Of course, there's no, uh, uh nobody should be imitating anybody else. That's part of the lessons of our worldview is the individuality. Yeah. Um, but since you ask about my story, uh, there was an important stop along the way from the Upper West Side to Washington Heights, and that was Neve Daniel mm-hmm. in Israel. I made aliyah. I made aliyah 15 years ago. What what stop that on the subway? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so. that subway stop. You should know. I was just in London, so I call now the Underground. Okay, okay, Thank you good. You. Oh, no, I understand. <laughs> that was few <for> hours. <laughs> um, so when you get past Kensington, you go right to Neve Daniel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's right there. Um, and, uh, it's, it's the one to Morden, I think it is. Um, but, um, so that was, that was an essential stop on the, on the journey. And it is all part of these values, which is, uh, at every, at every place along the way, I tried to ask myself and I've always, been, I've been faced like everybody has, everybody has in different ways. They're faced at crossroads in their lives. And I came to a number of major crossroads in life decisions. And I've always asked myself, "What is it that Hashem wants for me?" Like the goal is to be an Eved Hashem. So, what is it that Hashem wants for me? You know. And then, how do you how do you figure that out? You know. And I have a chapter in the book about that when you're faced with life questions to give you three strategies of thinking about life's questions. You know, how do you resolve that? How do you answer that? Um, you know, one, uh, not to give too much away in this cliffhanger, of, uh, but one of them is to have great teachers and mentors and to learn from role models. And I've been blessed to have that in my life and, and every step of the way to ask, uh, uh, to ask that question. So, for example, when I was at the Jewish Center, I'm um, a rabbi of the Jewish Center. I love the Jewish Center. Uh, very, uh, I am still very close to the congregants. It was really like a family. It was very hard to, uh, to leave. And my family loved being on the Upper West Side. Um, uh, you know, we had uh, Baruch Hashem. Everybody was doing well. And my son was going to uh, eighth grade. And we knew that if we didn't at least try Israel, then it would have to wait till after I probably retired. Yes. And, uh, you know, we weren't willing to, Uh, when Hashem has given us uh, the great bracha of uh, Medinat Yisrael in our times, to not uh, go there and see what we can do to contribute uh, to this uh, incredible, uh, historic, important moment. Yeah. Uh, So um, the congregation and I, after much conversation, they asked me if I'd take a sabbatical as opposed to leaving. And I took a sabbatical and we came to Aneve Daniel and uh, we decided to stay. And that's all part of this. It's part of this the seeking redemption of this, you know, the Torah Zion, which is one of our core values, uh, which is how, to, how do you see yourself in the greater project of Jewish history, uh, which is redemption, which is all about Gula. Uh, so that was very important. And then, you know, Baruch Hashem, we had a great uh, aliyah, and the kids were doing well, and I, had, uh, I finished my PhD at Hebrew University, um, working with uh, Professor Moshe Haubertal, who was amazing to me, uh, so thankful to him. He's, he gave me so much of his time, he still does, and his wisdom, and, um, and then I started working for at Herzog, uh, Remita Brandis, a very close friend of mine, a wonderful man, and what they're doing, Ezra Kalani, what Herzog is doing is incredible, Uh, and working and building Heichel Shlomo, uh, which was uh, such an opportunity uh, to take my skill set from the Jewish Center to create a new kind of Jewish Center Mm -hmm. uh, in the heart of Yerushalayim. I I was loving it. It was really, really amazing. And then I received uh, a call from uh, people in Yeshiva University. Uh, Are you interested in being... Exploring to be the president of Yeshiva University. And of course, my first answer was no. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I made Aliyah, my family was happy. I'm working in the heart of Yerushalayim, Mamash. My office is on the corner of King George, right there. Yeah, uh, So close, right next to my parents who live a couple of blocks away in labor Rechavia. I go over for lunch. and <laughs> It was great. Um, you know, life was really Baruch Hashem, things were well. And, um, and then I started receiving more calls from people at at YU, which is always, of course, very close to my heart and uh, my Rebbeim and uh, talking about the opportunity, uh, you know, for Yeshiva University and really for the Jewish people. And it was another gut check moment uh, to ask, uh, what is it that Hashem wants from me? And how do you respond in those, uh, in those situations? And of course, the the key is your family. Meaning, that's the most important thing one does in their life. As an Evid Hashem, is to raise their family, and to, uh, and to be a loving, caring uh, father and mother, and uh, to raise your your children on, on love to give them the confidence and ability to succeed uh, and find their destiny. That's the most important thing. Uh, once my family, um, once we thought about it and thought of our. Strategies, and and that we thought that it was uh, that we can do it. So then it became tachlis if we were if we were going to do it or not, and uh, and the opportunity of of what Hashem wants for me in, in this case, uh, as hard as it was, actually it seemed to me was the uh, the right move was in fulfillment of a life of these values was to, to go back uh, and spend. Although I still have my home in Avad Daniel, but to spend most of my time not in Avad Daniel. Yeah. And that, too, is a fulfillment of Torah That, too, is seeking gula, because we're trying to spread Gaula, uh, not just in Israel, but to the Jewish community and to the world at large.
2: Talked about how this book and all of our conversations and all the organizations you mentioned, thinking about the needs and the hashkafa of our community. And I think one of the big topics for lots of people both in America and the UK and in Israel is the question of Jewish educators and those that want to contribute to the Jewish community in the diaspora, but also want to be in Israel. And the impact that has on the diaspora and the impact that has on Israel. What thoughts or advice would you share to either people, I guess, listening who are in America now thinking, you know, I'm impacting, I'm making a difference here, but I'd really want to be in Israel. Or maybe people in Israel who are thinking, I'm happy that I'm here, this is the right place for my family, but, I could probably be having a big impact if I was outside of Israel.
0: Yeah, Um, that's a great question. Uh, It's a great question, Aryeh. and I think it is one that uh, people wrestle with deeply. I know I did. Um, Again, I can speak to you from my personal experience. Uh, I would speak regularly, you know, Baruch Hashem, things were really well at the Jewish Center. We were doing, uh, I thought, very positive things uh, for the community and uh, with great ambitions. Um, to help uh, broader Jewish people, and every almost every year, I'd, I'd turn to Rabbi Mori Rivelchlinstein Zitel, whose uh, absence is still enormously felt by me and by all of his talmidim and the Jewish world. Um, and I would uh, I'd regularly turn to him for advice, and I um, I remember going to him so almost annually, I'd go to him and say. You know, I'm uh, you know, we're doing this to the Jewish Center, this is what's happening, you know, but I'm not in Israel. Uh, but I'm doing such good things here. And I, in in the beginning he had one he had a refrain that he would he would say that I would hear. He said, Well, is it my Is it really impossible what you're doing here in America to not be done by others? I'm like, Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> So and then at one point he was hearing Baruch Hashem he was hearing such positive and he said to me maybe actually maybe this is a unique contribution that you're that you're doing here and um, you know and it allowed me the ability to to think about you know what's my and that's what he was asking he wasn't giving Rivlinsky never answered I asked a personal question there wasn't an answer it was to help me think about the truth. You know, and it's one of the important things I write about, which is when you have a relationship with a uh, with the rebbe, mechaneich uh, mechanechet, uh, that is profound. Uh, there were times I didn't even have to ask the question because he's such an isha emet. Like all of my self delusions would would evaporate even before the words came out of my mouth. Um, you know, but there's just an air of truth and allowed me to um, to get to the core. You know, and and. And another conversation I remember I had with Rabbi Mori, Rabbi Rosenzweig. It was a deep influence, profound, on my life. And in this book, it was these core Torah values. Uh, so much emerged uh, from my conversations, uh, uh, you know, studying as his Talmud and, and with him. And I said to him, I remember saying, you know, I feel so guilty that I don't live in Israel. I was a rabbi in the Jewish center, raising my family. I said, I feel guilty. And he said to me, whether or not you should be in Israel, is a question you should think about. But there's no place for guilt. This isn't uh, right or wrong. There's no place for guilt in this. Like, you don't need to feel guilty. And what I found is that a lot of people in America, a lot of rabbis do, <laughs> do feel guilty. And I find that a lot of mechanchim, mechanchot in Israel, do think if I was in America, I would have a better, a larger platform. And really what it's about, I think, is that our ultimate goal is Ga'ullah. Torah Zion isn't just about Israel. Israel's a vehicle towards Guullah, towards redemption. And what everybody needs to do is their Torah to Adam is to find their place, you know, in their Abodat Hashem and in the greater Jewish story. Wherever that place is, there's no question that Israel, living in Israel for our generation, is one of the greatest opportunities and brachot uh, to have, to raise your family in Medinat, Israel, What an opportunity. comes with a lot of challenges, as anybody who lives in Israel knows. People in America who haven't made aliyah don't know yet, but <laughs> as everybody knows, but it is enormous, it's enormous bracha. it's enormous opportunity. But that doesn't mean... That you can't be a Zionist in America and be part of the greater project, or in, in the diaspora, but you have to consciously be part of the greater project. You have to consciously work to help bring Gula. One way is by supporting Israel, or by moving to Israel, or getting other people to support Israel. But the other ways is by spreading our Torah values to our community and to the world. And it is true that people in the diaspora are uniquely placed. To do that mission, to be makarei shem shemayim barabim, in ways that are profound and impactful, not just mechanchim and Our students at Yeshiva University graduate to all spheres of power and influence and connection, whether they're in the cubicle or the boardroom, whether they're in social work, uh, you know, medicine a uh, lawyer or businessman, they have an opportunity just by living their values and consciously trying to transmit and sanctifying Hashem's name. They have an opportunity to help move the Jewish story forward and bring the Gula. So that's the, uh, you know, I think it's a, you know, every individual has to wrestle with their, te- with their skills and their place in the world and to find that. And there's no one answer. You know, certainly in this generation there's an enormous opportunity that we've been davening for for 2,000 years and everybody should be it should be very uh, prominent in people's minds. But wherever you decide your places, it has to be part of this story. And that is, is Torrezio. You,
1: you say that sort of the core of the, the, the book and the core of, essentially I think the ideology is, is, is this idea of, of values and, and spreading the values. And the book was written from a very, personal um, perspective which definitely comes through um, trying to sort of tie it back to your original answer which was Hillel's original answer sure. Um, of um, you know don't don't do to others what you wouldn't have them do unto you yeah. um, there's a sort of certain um, I don't want to say egocentric that's the wrong word but there's a, it's putting yourself at the at the center of um, you know what wouldn't I want people what wouldn't I want done to me I won't do that um, to to someone else and then as we as, as you connected it to, to later in the Gemara um, with the six questions it's, it's what did you do uh, w- were you honest in business what did you do in terms of uh, judgment whatever, whatever it is is it perhaps that you know are the overarching thing sort of trying to tie it to this idea of, of values and our shared values and, and the Torah and Mada experience um, is that it's more about being genuine, mm. that sort of ha- living a genuine life that in, in, incorporates... Sure, there's, absolutely, there's
0: no question that that's a key of our Hashkafa, which is the individuality. Uh, I like the word genuine. I like that word a lot. Um, Rabbi Soloveitchik has a very powerful speech that he gave to the Chag HaSmeichah one year, uh, the Rabbi Rekethet has in his book, uh, which uh, describes in his words, he says, this is the Rav's words, not mine, he says, I have very few good qualities, but one of them is I cannot be someone else. When I learn... I use my own language. Even though I'm on the roots of the great Reb Chaim and my father, I use my own language and my own ideas and I cannot live my life imitating anybody else. The singularity, he said, is not, God forbid, a sense of egotism, but it's a sense of the Tzela Elokim, of the God's divine image in him as it is in each individual to live each, each person has to live his or her life uh, according to who they are. And he said he always respects people and institutions that are singular. And that lies at the core of why he appreciates and um, is so connected to Yeshiva University. Because Yeshiva University is singular. In its hashkafic, in its institutional approach towards educating our worldview. At the core, in a in a world where religion is often seen and like you have to fit into a box. Okay, I'll quote the Rebbe's grandson, Rabbi Twersky, Mayor Twersky, one of our uh, esteemed rishayyashivah and a dear uh, Rebbe and uh, and friend. Uh, who said that there is no prefab model. You have to, of course, that's what I said, there's a base halakha, of course, everybody has to keep a base halakha, but in that base, you have to find yourself, and that's the Torah Adam. And you do so, you do so within a framework. So what we speak about is, first of all, is that we come from Torah Emet, okay? And that's essential to who we are. Um, when people ask me, "What's the when did Yeshiva University begin?" and I speak to Jews and non-Jews, like I always talk about that we began uh, way before 1886. 1886 is when Yeshiva at Etz began. I remember somebody a non non-Jew, non-Jewish professor came over to me and says, "Rabbi, I don't understand when you talk about Yeshiva University. How could it be three thousand years old?" So I said, "Because we date our beginning at Moses at Sinai." That is the beginning of Yeshiva University. And we have faithfully transmitted our tradition from generation to generation. And we don't end until we get to redemption. If the arc of the moral universe is long, as Martin Luther King said, but bends towards justice, what we teach our students is that they need to bend the arc. They need to be part of that. But they have to see themselves as part of the arc of history. That We start at Torah Temet. And we end at Tarat Zion. And you need to find yourself, your Tarat Adam, you need to find yourself within that story and help move the story forward. We are heirs to Hashem's Torah. If you Think about what that means. The gift, the matana, And how we internalize and project. That's what we're, we're part of this great story. You know, and that's what it means to live a life of values: It's to find yourself within the greater, uh, the greater project.
2: The the subtitle of the book is "Letters to Our Students." Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you: um, over the past few years, when you've been serving as president of the yeshiva or yeshiva, or yeshiva or yeshiva university, um, how have you seen these values that you write about in the book already? manifesting themselves amongst the students or things that you're seeing on campus or in yeshiva?
0: Thank you so much, Ari, for that question. It's, um, uh, our students are the greatest source of inspiration for me and for our uh, entire enterprise. Um, You know, I just came off this uh, trip uh, where I went with them. We have student leadership trips. What we're doing is we're trying to educate our students with this, with a sense we want to give them the purview for them to see themselves as the Jewish leaders of the future. So both with the, the sense of purpose, uh, but also with the range of opportunities that we have today. And there are enormous opportunities today. Opportunities that we have not seen in the Jewish world, perhaps ever, to spread our influence just because of the world of communications and where we're in. And the time period where people turn to faith now, and they're looking for meaning. And that you have other, you have the not, you have non-Jews, who truly, as Rabbi Sack said, you know, non-Jews appreciate Jews, who who appreciate their Judaism, respect Jews, mm-hmm. who respect their yeah. Judaism. I see that all the time, and we've just came, you know, from Rome where I met the pontifical universities there. They would love if we did uh, partnerships and collaborations. We just came from Morocco, where our students met with Muslim students in a whole new context. You know, when you think about the non-Jewish other, and in and Morocco specifically, the relationship and the history with the Jewish community and the Arab community uh, is, um, is unique. You know, you have to be there and talk to the people to contextualize. We had one one stop where you have a Arab Muslim guardian over a kever of a tzaddik, mm,
1: yeah.
0: who's the son and grandson of the last guardian over this kever tzaddik, yeah. who donated, uh, the Jewish community donated the land to be used as a nursery for uh, fruit trees to support the local Arab community. And you have the kevert tzaddik that that in, that they truly uh, respect as a source of bracha, actually supporting <laughs> the entire community. Yeah, you know. So it's a really unique ecosystem, yeah. and to have our students—it's not the whole story of the world; it's a part of the story. Yeah. But then to be exposed to that story, you know, and to and to see themselves. You know, I'm coming out to, I was invited to speak in a couple of weeks at uh, Brigham Young in Salt Lake City. Uh, They have uh, uh, an event, um, you know, where they, I don't know, they have, they they told me this, like, um, uh, this platform, you know, on their television, like they're very excited about it, that to have the the president of the flagship Jewish University speak to their community, uh, and um, so instead of me just going alone, we teamed up with a student leadership trip and our student leaders are going to be meeting with the BYU mm-hmm. student leadership again, to expand and broaden their horizons and, and see, you know, it's some, sometimes when you're in the Northeast of America, you have a very narrow perspective yeah. of what the non-Jewish world uh, looks like. And it's, it's a whole world of opportunity, uh, you know, uh, for them. And so our students inspire me profoundly uh, with their character. They are people uh, filled with chesed. There's so, menschlichkeit, love, concern. You know, one of our core values, Torah, chesed. They are, they represent it. Uh, you know, everybody knows the Yeshiva University student just by the menschlichkeit. You know, and you see it, it's so... It's so clear. It's there's such good people. And they do it all throughout in their student life and in their interactions with others, you know, and things that they're doing as chiyuv as and things that they volunteer. You know, at YU this one of the students, this is one of the largest clubs, started Science Starts, which which is YU students go into the local public schools to teach them science. Okay, and that's what, and all throughout uh, Corona, they were doing projects by Zoom, you know, and they excite the local community with uh, education and and just just giving of themselves, you know, and to each other. Like during during uh, COVID, the way that they cared for one another and the achrayut that they took uh, for each other it's all it's all through. And and they're really a source of deep inspiration. And the way that they we talk about Torah Demet, the, the day. The schedule of a Yeshiva University student—it's—it uh, is packed. I mean, it is packed. I mean, these are our students not do, doing one full curriculum, but doing two full curriculums, and then afterwards, you know, volunteering for student life. Like we had the whole story of our basketball team last year. Mm-hmm. Right. Talk about a kid of Shashem. Yeah. I, I'm like these kids, these kids being up there with their kippot, singing not just the Star Spangled Banner, but a Tikva in front of thousands upon thousands of people who are watching, giving divrei Torah in the locker room before every single game. You know, always first putting their hand, not just first scoring the basket, but first helping the opponent up from the floor. You know what the daily schedule of these kids are? (laughs) One time they have to wake up to practice basketball so that they can represent the flagship Jewish university because they know that when they play for Yeshiva University, they're not playing for a school. They're playing for a people. You know, that's what, that's the, and that's what they feel. And when they're out in the world, wherever you are, uh, representing that you represent. So our whole inspiration comes from the quality of, uh, of our students. And it's, it's, it's by being at YU that I have a strong feeling of uh, encouragement and confidence
2: uh, in the future. So I guess looking to the future, and I guess a final message for our listeners, going all the way back to our original regal Achat statement from Hillel. How would you encourage anyone listening to this, whether it's students of yeshiva or anyone around the world, Jewish people, maybe even non-Jewish people, how to take that statement in again in in, uh, in a short, concise way and bring it into their lives on a daily basis? Back, back up on one leg.
0: We're back up on one back leg. Up on back one up, one up leg. on one leg. Yeah. Well, wow, you've taken me through a journey. You guys are great. <laughs> You are really great. You've uh, you've deepened this question, and uh, I would say that uh, you should always you should ask yourself, "What does Hashem want from me?" Meaning, you know, it's 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 layered. It's complex. Reality is complex. Values conflict all the time. They have to. We have that at YU all the time. Values conflict, and how you navigate a multiple values. Multiple set of 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 goals, and make life decisions, uh, daily decisions and life decisions. You know, just to be able to dalif ne made, and and think about what is what does God want for me at this moment. You know, and cut through that with that clarity.
2: Um, that will help you
0: find your uh, your purpose and who you are.
2: Wow. Uh, Rabbi Dr. Ari Berman, thank you so much for joining us on the Quran podcast. It's uh, I have many, many more questions I could ask um, for Alex as well, uh, but maybe we'll save that for a, a future series or episode. But thank you so much. It's really been a, a pleasure and an honor to have you here with us uh, on the podcast and in the Quran offices. Thank you for joining. Thank you for your words of support, and thank you for everything that you do for the Jewish people. So
0: thank you. Thank you, Ari. Thank you, Alex. Really appreciate your your work and everything that you're
2: doing uh, to further our mission of the Jewish people
0: and uh, your warm hospitality to me. Thank you. Have a good day.
2: Wow. I am uh, still really, really pumped from our conversation with Rabbi Dr. Ari Berman. It was um, such a huge pleasure spending time with him and an honor uh, to hear firsthand um, his vision uh, for not only Yeshiva University, but the wider modern Orthodox and Jewish world and how all of us and not just those who are within the walls of yeshiva uh, can be a part of that vision and to really make a difference and give back uh, to the jewish people um you heard all about rabbi berman's new book the final exam in that episode and you can of course find the book on our website cornpub.com, and using discount code podcast get a 10 percent discount on the book and all your purchases on the koren website if you'd like to get in touch with us you can do so by email at podcast at corenpub.com or you can find us on all the usual socials at koren publishers thank you so much again for joining us we're excited for more episodes to come in this amazing series until next time this has been the koren podcast Al regal